Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. The show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too, and I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be starting to release new episodes again this week. I have such good conversations waiting for you for this fall and winter. I hope you stuck around this summer. We didn't put out new episodes for a couple months this summer while we were all just trying to enjoy ourselves for a little bit, but don't worry. We have some amazing conversations coming up for you. We talked to some really cool women in business, and I can't wait for you to listen to all these conversations. I think you're going to love them. So tune in. Don't forget to, you know, subscribe if you haven't already or just keep looking for us now every every week or so from now on because we've got new content for you all fall and winter and I think you're going to love it. I'm so happy to be here with Lauren Rinelli here today. She's an author and marketing coach, and I cannot wait to talk all things books and uh, book marketing with you today, Lauren. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really interested to hear, um, first of all, about your journey as an author in the first place, because I just think that is so cool. I personally love books and think it's so cool when someone creates one. Um, so can you tell us about how that happened and, you know, and what kind of, what else you do, which it sounds like, you know, the more the marketing side of things, um, and how they fit together. Absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing I'll say is that I came into being an author, you know, later in life. I, it wasn't something that I set out to do. It wasn't the path that I was on. You know, I have a public health background and that work focuses on some um, marketing and communications work that I do. Mm -hmm. But about eight years ago, when my first child was born, um, he has a December birthday and we are part of an interfaith family. So he received a lot of Christmas books as gifts from relatives, in-laws, um, and friends. And I said, oh, I'll go out and get him a Hanukkah book to balance our bookshelf a little bit. And I just couldn't find what I wanted. I felt like there was a lot of, um, kind of two ends of the spectrum, like the cartoony, um, you know, Curious George celebrates Hanukkah and Elmo celebrates Hanukkah or the other end of the spectrum being the history of the Maccabees. And there just wasn't this like story out there that I could find that just felt like a family celebrating the holidays. So I wrote the story of the Great Laka Cook-Off, which is about a family cooking contest um, over the eight nights of Hanukkah. But I just emailed it to myself. I didn't think much about it. I said, you know, he's a baby. I'll read this to him when he's older. And, that, you know, I was a busy working mom. And I just sat on that story for a number of years. I think about five years, actually. Wow. And then in 2018, I thought, you know, I really want to do this. And I, at the time, I didn't know that self-publishing was an option. I didn't know it was a thing you could do. And I, and then I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, I'm going to research this and I'm going to look into it. And so I did. And, you know, I can kind of talk you through that whole process. But long story short, short. I have um, now published three children's books. I have a fourth one in the works. And that 
process and really diving in and learning that and researching it and being successful at it has also led to me now coaching other aspiring and self-published authors through the process, but also then specifically through the, what happens after you put a book out there, right? Mm -hmm. Like putting the book out there is a whole process in and of itself. But then I also work with a lot of authors who say, um, okay, I published my book and I had a great launch and now I have no idea what to do next. So that's sort of been the process I've gone through. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to, I definitely want to hear more about self-publishing and like what that process is like. I also, um, I mean, that's just, that's, that's so much. That's really cool. First of all, I think I have run into the exact same problems with, um, with holiday books. I'm also, um, and uh, my, my, we sell, when I was growing up, we celebrated Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, and so now my, with my son, mm-hmm. also, I've like gone through that same book problem. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to have to get your book. Yes. It seems like common. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is common these days, I think too. So it's like, it's, it's surprising that there aren't more options for books that aren't like super religious yes, or like, it's true. yeah. So I'm going to definitely check that out. That's cool. I love that. You just were like, you know what, we need this and I'm making it. Um, <laughs> but how, yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to, I have so many more questions. I want to talk more about self-publishing, but I think first sure. I want to, um, hear a little more about like what goes into, um, like after the book, because as you said, like, it's almost like not that publishing the book is the easy part, but it's like, (laughs) I'm sure that's really like, that's a lot of work too, but I'm curious about how you work with other people in terms of like how you've built it into more of a business, I guess, um, and work with other people to help them get their books out there too. So can we dive a little bit more into that first and then kind of hear about actual book process? Yeah. So, you know, what, what I was finding is when I first put, when I published my first book, you know, I did the thing that I think a lot of people do when they put any sort of, um, you know, new idea out there or new product or business, especially when you're doing it on your own. And I did the thing where I like kind of crossed my fingers and I hit send on an email and thought, okay, I really hope that like people outside of like my, you know, childhood best friend and like my next door neighbor are going to do something with this. Right. Mm -hmm. I hope that, and, and what I found was that within the first three months of my first published book, I did $10,000 in book sales and I was able to um, put together over 30 promotional opportunities, interviews, events, whatnot, um, in those first three months. And so that was a much greater success than I had thought about for an initial launch. I really, my goal with that first book was like, okay, I don't need to make money on this, but I really don't want to lose money. Right. Like that would feel like a huge bummer Mm -hmm. to like put this out in the world, but know that like you just lost money on it. Um, and so when it did really well, I was, excited and surprised. And, and I, it caught the attention of other people who were doing similar things. And they Mm -hmm. said, how did you just make that happen? How did you have that success in the first three months? And so I started answering a lot of questions and then I said, well, you know what, maybe I'll put some of this together as like a training or a course. Um, because what I was finding is that so many people were asking the exact same questions that I had asked early on, right? Who do you print with? Who do you publish with? How much do you price your book? What size should it be? All of these things. And I know for a fact that like as a busy working mom, I mean, this is my side gig, right? Like my full-time work is in public health. And you still still have that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So my full-time job is, is doing marketing and communications for an international organization. So I have like a 
a busy full-time job. So this is something I still do on the side. But the reason I bring that up is because so many other people were doing that too. And I was feeling like, I don't want these people using that limited time and energy answering questions or researching questions that I feel like I already found the answers to. Mm -hmm. So I put together some trainings and some courses. I did a membership community for a while. Um, But now I really enjoy, I have, you know, I have trainings on my website around um, marketing for, you know, self-published, aspiring and self-published authors on author branding. I'm about to put out a new one um, on like the self-publishing roadmap. But then I also work one-on-one with, with authors and I, we do coaching sessions. That's like, let's, let's talk about your book launch. Let's prepare for your book launch, or let's get your online audiences set up, or let's get a book launch team together. Or as you were saying, okay, I get a lot of people who said, all right, I launched my book. It was okay. It did fine. And now it's crickets because it's in the post-launch time. Right. And so like, how do you keep that momentum going? And so we talk a lot about opportunities to sort of throughout the year, hit different touch points and how to kind of keep sales going throughout the year. And also a lot of around managing expectations, right? And like, what is that, what does that look like in this sort of world of publishing and what should realistic expectations be? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into that. So what are, I mean, what, so um, you said you kind of set out, sent out an email across your fingers, but then that you made yeah. $1,000 in three months. So you must have, you did more, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Cause that's what you're telling people about now. But like, what are some of those other things and how did you, was it just kind of trial and error on your part the fir- at first, or like, how did you know what to do when you first put yours out? Yeah, it definitely was trial and error because there are some things I tried that like just tanked, right? You know, mm-hmm. I got no response, no whatever. So a lot of it was, you know, um, sort of good word of mouth, right? Like, you know, and I tell everyone sort of that first wave of purchases you're going to get um, is going to be friends and family. Like that's to be expected and that's great. Mm-hmm. But I love to say to people, okay, email me and tell me which order number was it when somebody ordered your book and you didn't know them. And like, cause that's always a really exciting mm-hmm. like moment. And I think for me with my first one, I think it was order number maybe 49, I want to say, where I got that order come in and I was like, I have no idea who this person is. And I did a little happy dance and I still do that. Like with each, with each launch or even times when orders come in and I'm like, I have no idea how this person found me. And I'm so excited, you know, yes, I'm sending my books to, to Austin and to Olympia, Washington and to where, you know, Indianapolis. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. And I'm so glad you want to read these books. Um, but some of the other things I did were really trying to think about connecting with, um, you know, with organizations or kind of community groups that would have an interest or a need for your book. So for example, I talk a lot with people about, all right, think about the themes in your book and, you know, and the audience, right? So I've had authors who we've worked together to find, um, for example, like um, either a school or a women's shelter or a community organization that could benefit from having book donations. And then you do a book drive. So you're asking people, because once you have your first wave, I think of people who buy the book, there's also this group of people in your life or who are out there that really want to support you, but don't actually have a need for your book, right? Like it's not a genre they read, they don't, or they don't have children themselves or, or whatever it is, but they'd like to support you. And so one of the things that I've done a lot of and helped other people set up is these sort of book drive opportunities. So, so for example, I've done book drives with this Hanukkah book. I've done book drives with, you know, Jewish community centers or with, with synagogues. Um, I have a book um, that's related to like travel and imagination. My most recent book is called, um, let's meet on the moon. And it's a story of like 
basically pen pals and staying connected, which has mm. really resonated with people during COVID times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've done like book drives for schools to say, you know, like, let's, let's see, can we get people to donate 50 copies of this book so that every classroom in the district can have a copy or whatever it is. And so just thinking a little bit outside of, you know, the traditional author events, um, because those have been few and far between during COVID. And I, you know, events have been great. I love doing them. But sometimes you go to an event and I'll, you know, I'll sell, um, you know, 40 books. And sometimes I've gone to an event and sold one. And you're like, hmm, that was, that might've been a misstep. Um, and so I think just helping people think through what are some of these other opportunities to get people to purchase books kind of like on behalf of someone else has been a really nice way to sort of um, add additional sales at different points of the year, right? Like you're going to yeah, have your really launch time, you're going to have holidays, you might have, depending on your job, you know, you might have Mother's Day or whatever it is. Um, but thinking about how to generate some interest at different points of the year. Yeah, that's a really smart idea because I imagine otherwise, like, as you said, it's like the launch and people get excited. And then if you don't keep creating reasons for people to be seeing it and thinking about it and buying it, it's kind of going to not necessarily stay on the top of anybody else's radar for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, one of the things I talk with people about is what is your sales platform? You know, so many people immediately jump to Amazon, which I have, I have my books on Amazon, but truthfully, I never direct people there. I only Mm. direct them to my website to purchase books. And there's enough, there's a number of reasons for that. Like one, you make more money if you're selling it kind of directly, but that does mean you do your own distribution, right? So I'm going to the post office, you know, during launch season or holidays, I'm going at least once a week to do like bulk shipments and whatnot. And that's, you know, something you have to factor in. But one of the reasons I really like selling through my website and not through Amazon or other sources is because um, I then have the contact information for everyone who's purchased a book. I can also sign every copy of the books. I write notes to every reader who gets a book, Mm -hmm. you know, for this, for Let's Meet on the Moon, which is about pen pals. I I have postcards that I created for the books. I put those in, you know, so you can do these personal touches, but I mention it because I can go back and I can email, like I just did this recently. I emailed everybody who, who purchased Let's Meet on the Moon in the last year and said, hey, I just put new um, downloadable coloring and activity pages on my website related to this book if you're looking for an activity to do at home. And by the way, if you'd like to reorder a copy for someone else, here's a 10% off code or whatever it is. And then I got some reorders from that. It just keeps you like sort of in front of mind because when you sell through Amazon or you sell through a bookstore, which is great, it's, you know, low effort on your part, you don't have any connection with those people. You don't you yeah. don't know who they are. You can't communicate with them. You can't send them a little note. So that's something that I recommend to people. If you have the ability to sort of do your own distribution, that selling through your website um, is a really great option. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I definitely, I, I was totally picturing Amazon for all of this um, for sales, because that's definitely where I think of to go for books. And that's where I mean, you know, I guess, you know, then it can come up as like a suggested book or recommended or whatever, right. things like that. So easy to like share and almost come across, like if somebody hadn't otherwise seen you somewhere else, but yeah. that totally makes sense that if you're actually talking to somebody or like have a direct, um, like way of reaching people or like they're asking where to get it to, to direct them to your website and just do it. It's, it's so much more personal. It really that- is. That brings me to, I actually, that's kind of a good segue 
into a little bit more about how you actually put it together because now I'm picturing you having like boxes of books like in your garage or something that you're then <laughs> and like boxes of like envelopes for sending them out so yes. tell me a little, like is that is that the case or like what is well, it what does that mean do you have to purchase a whole bunch of books yourself to have them ready to send out yeah. So here's the thing. Okay. So I don't have them in my garage because I live in Michigan and my garage is not temperature controlled, but I do have books in my home office and I have them in, you know, I have a whole like shelving unit and system, but that is one thing. So with self-publishing, you do purchase books yourself ahead of time. But one of the things I also work with people on and recommend is doing pre-sales, you know, so you can start mm-hmm. selling before, which you can't do on Amazon. You can't pre-sell on Amazon. Um, so like I said, I'm self-published and I, I still sell my books on Amazon. You know, I'm an individual seller on there, but I can't list them until they've actually, until they're available for sale. But I have done pre-sales with each one of my books and I offer a little bonus, you know, like some, um, like with the book places we have never been, which is about travel. I had stickers made, you know, from illustrations from the book. And so during pre-sales, you can, you get sticker packs and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, but the good thing about pre-sales is that you can start generating income to pay for the books you're about to purchase. And so that's always, that's a nice way to do that. So I've done that with, um, I had done that with my second and third book and we'll always do it moving forward. I did not do it with the first book because like I said, I was just sitting there nervous, ready to like hit send on this email and didn't know what was going to happen. So I took a little bit of a leap of faith um, and I didn't order that many of those books. I think I ordered 250 in that first round and I sold out really quickly. So I wanted to, I ordered another, you know, 750 or something like that um, because I just didn't know. And so now I typically order about 500 books um, as like a, an initial order for when I'm doing a launch. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of to your point, yeah, I have, I've got the supplies in my office and I'm, I'm packaging things and I, but it's fun and it's part of the process. And I actually think that's like, when we talk about marketing is giving people a glimpse into the process and into yeah. the world. Like I do little time-lapse videos when I'm signing a huge stack of books or when I'm, you know, packaging them all up or when I'm putting, um, you know, a couple of my books have won awards. And so I I'll do a video of me putting the award sticker on the cover of each book or whatever it is. And so it's, you take people on that journey with you. And I think it actually helps make it more interesting for them. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I totally agree. I think that's, that is really fun. And, and I would totally find that to be like, I would be excited for that part. If I was like reading a book, I'd be like, I can't wait to have yeah. in my office and like package them up into these nice little gifts that you get to send out. I mean, I guess not gifts they're they're buying it, but make it just yeah. that little experience. Like, I think that sounds really fun. Yes. Can I ask how mm-hmm. much, um, like when you order like a set of 500 books, obviously it depends on the book, but like how much does that actually cost you out of pocket? If you're yeah. or like, if you're doing the pre-sale, like what are the actual backend costs on, on publishing your own book? Yeah. So let me tell you, a, I'm going to take a little bit of a journey with that, which is that okay. I initially, and so many authors I talked to about this, I initially wanted a hardcover book. I just thought it like looked more official or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like what I pictured. And then when I started looking into the cost of printing a hardcover book, full color, it was something like $20 a book. I mean, it mm-hmm. was insane, you know, to be able to print that. And, yeah. and I'm, I personally work with a, um, 
a family-run printer in Colorado. I'm in Michigan. They're in Colorado. It's called Steuben Press. They've been great. A lot of people will do, you know, um, KDP or Ingram Spark. Those are some of like the big kind of on-demand printers. And those are great. Um, I personally liked working with this family-run business. The only way that I know people who have done hardcover books at a price point that feels tenable is to do overseas shipping, which just wasn't what I felt like doing. Like it's definitely an option. It's just not where my, my sort of preference was. Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm talking about that is because then I, I switched and I was like, okay, I am going to do what's called, um, I think it's called Lux matte cover, which is like a really nice sort of soft cover, but it feels very, it still has a hard spine. Like that was important to me. I didn't want like a stapled book. I wanted a hard spine that could sit on a bookshelf easily where you could see the title and all of that. Um, And so for me, um, kind of giving up that like hardcover dream was a step in the process, but I'm so happy with how the books look. And actually I have to say as a mom, I... I sometimes prefer our soft cover books because they're easier to travel with. They're easier to pack. You can put it in your bag to go to a restaurant, whatever it is. So it's actually been, it was, I think it was like a happy accident um, that I wasn't able to do hardcover. But to your direct question about one quick second, I just like, were you able to get like a proof of it to see like what one copy was before you went ahead and ordered like 250? Okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You need, you need to do that. And there have been times, you know, we looked at the book, probably 800 times. So many people looked at it and then you get it in your hand. I was like, Oh, I see a mistake. Or, I, right. or it's like, Oh, the illustration's a little too close to the inseam, right? Like, right. It looks a little different in real life. I'm sure it does. Absolutely. So yes, definitely get approved. Absolutely get approved. Um, and so when I order, I believe when I order 500, it's something like $2.83 a book. Wow. It's um it's pretty inexpensive. And I think if I order two, it, it varies between like $2.83 and I want to say like $3.60 if I order, you know, fewer. And so for me, if I'm pricing my book at $15.99, you know, I can make after, you know, after printing, after shipping, and I'm not including illustrator costs like in the individual price of a book. Right. But like overall I make about $11 a book. Um, when I sell through my website, now, when I sell through Amazon, Amazon as the way I'm set up as an individual seller, where I still do shipping through Amazon orders, I, they take about 20%. If Amazon does your shipping, they take about 50%. And then bookstores take about 40%. So you like the, the reason I sell 95% of my books through my website is it's a much better deal for me on top of what I said about being able to like make that personal connection. Yeah. Wow. No, my God. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. That's so helpful. Like just yeah, for someone who has no idea, like what the back end cost that is, but, and I don't know if you know, but, um, we recently launched a magazine. So I deal with like a little bit, of, you know, printing, like it's not the same as a whole book. Yeah, That's actually like, and, and I print less copies usually at a time, partly just cause we're, it's still new. So we don't have a big subscriber base yet for the print copy, but it's like that same price, I feel like for the amount that I get. So I was oh, expecting a book to yeah. be a lot more with like, you know, a more official binding and just being a whole book. But I, that's really interesting to know. It's not that much more. I feel like that's, that feels really like reasonable. And like, I guess that makes it feel more like obtainable as like a thing that like, 
I could do, or, you know, somebody listening to this could do, because I always thought it would be like really expensive. And like, maybe you're only making like a couple dollars on each book that you sell. Um, but that actually sounds, well, that is, I mean, that's one of the benefits of self-publishing, right? Like if you're with a traditional publisher, you are making a dollar a book. Mm, Yeah. True. Did you look into using a traditional publisher at all when you for, or did you know right away? Like I definitely want to self-publish. You know, I, part of the reason I held off so long is that I thought you had to do a traditional publisher. Mm. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even really know self-publishing was a thing. And then there's this, there has been a common misperception that self-publishing is the option when you can't get a traditional publisher. And that really is not the case. I've seen, I've really embraced this whole community, very vibrant, engaged you know, community of self-published authors. And I yeah, think no, it's I hear such a self- reasonable self-publish all the time now. Like, I feel like it's just, yeah. Like, I think like, yeah, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have thought the same thing too. Like, oh, that's, you know, it's just easier to get your book out there if you don't want to or can't find a publisher. But now I feel, I feel like I hear people all the time, just like planning to write a book and, and that's their plan because they've, there's so yeah. much, so many good things about self-publishing, so many good reasons to do that, to do it yourself. So keep going. Yeah. Well, no, no, that's fine. And I think one of those two is, you know, we sort of, I don't know, would you, would you think that we, we live in a world where like waiting two to four years to see something come out once it's finished is really, it's hard. And I am like not a very patient person. And so, you know, I know several traditionally published authors who there once, once they have found an agent and that agent has found a publisher and that publisher has signed on it's still another two years before your book hits the shelves. And in COVID, I know so many authors who had their launches pushed back another year. And I'm like, that's so hard and disappointing. And so for me, when I, I've worked with the same illustrator now for, for the three books. And when she and I, from the time of our first meeting to the time when we are doing book signings, it's about 10 months. And that is like really gratifying to be able to say, I did something and here it is. And now it's like a book you can have and hold and read with your family and I can, you know, move on to the next phase of it, or I can start working on another one um, or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's yeah. That I totally agree. I would be the same way. I, I would want to have it come out as soon as possible. Not like we yeah. months and months or even years and, and have it be kind of like, as you said, it sounds like it's kind of like at the mercy of the publishing company. And if they're like, you know what, we're going to push it a year. It's like, what can you do? Right. It's right. You. you have, yeah, you, there's really nothing you can do. And I think, especially for me as a children's book author, I wanted my books to come out at a time when my kids would still like yeah. engage with them. Right. And so if I'd yeah, waited four sense. years, like my son could have, would have cared less about, you know, this book that I wrote for him. <laughs> so True. I, I want to do it on my own timeline. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, oh my gosh, I still want to, I want to talk a lot more. Like I'm so interested in like the actual process of publishing, but I also want to shift gears a little bit into like the things that you actually teach people in terms of like, you talk about like building your brand as an author and what goes into that and all of those things to like actually help people sell their books, I guess. So I want to, I want to touch base a little, like a little bit, I mean, touch a little bit more on what some of those things are. Like, what do you tell people to do? I know you said, um, you know, you kind of mentioned helping people actually like tie them to holidays or, you know, getting them out in front of people through um, the book drives and things like that. But when it comes to actual like 
branding of an author Mm -hmm. what goes into that like what do you tell people they should do and um especially like since mostly we're mostly business owners listening to this um obviously I'm sure that's pretty different from like a children's book which is more of like what you've been doing but with the people that you've worked with like how does that kind of work like do any of them have businesses first or um use it as part of their business strategy like I don't know I just want to hear like what kinds of things you talk about in terms of building that brand. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the most important thing around branding is first and foremost that you do think of yourself as a business, right? I mean, so many, so many authors, you know, that I work with, it's sort of, you, you couldn't tell from any of their online presence that they were a professional author, right? You know, that they, that this was something they actually did. It, you know, it was very muddled with sort of like a personal social media feed or, you know, a website that just kind of, really looks pretty thrown together. Oh yeah. Um, and and so that's I totally, the, I, I kind of like even phrased that incorrectly. Cause like, yeah, even if you don't have like a, a separate business or a, or a business first, like you still, that is a business. Once you've put out your book, like then that is your brand as an author. So that's, exactly. yeah, that's a good point. I just want to make sure I recognize that. Yeah. I mean, and so in one of the trainings I have on author branding, I really, I sort of take people through like my journey and I show them you know, the first, my first Instagram handle and my first pictures. And I'm like, you would never know. You would never know that this was an author's page. Um, I mean, if people find me on Instagram, I left, you know, cause people also say to me, um, should I go back and delete all my old stuff? And I'm like, nope, like you're on a journey. And so my original, you know, posts from when I first started my author page on Instagram are still there. You can scroll all the way back and mm-hmm. see that these were just posts of my kids, like opening Hanukkah presents basically because I wrote a Hanukkah book and I thought, well, that's a great way to like talk about this and it's okay, but it's not really, you know, it's not really what I wanted out there. Um, especially because people, I think one mistake people make whether it's in being an author or in a business is that you're so focused on the one right now that you don't necessarily think you may do other things in the future. So, so many authors I work with have their social media or website or whatever it is set up as the name of their one book. And I'm like, Mm. you have to think of yourself, like this is about you as an author. And it's not about your one book because let's say you write another book or let's say you start teaching other authors, or let's say you start doing this, whatever it is in the future where you don't know where this is going to take you. And then you've suddenly built this audience around one specific thing. And I think the other thing that people really fall into a trap of is they only talk about that one specific thing. They talk about their one book or they talk about their one product or their whatever it is. And it, it gets old for not just your audience, but I think for yourself, like if you were only talking about this one book you have and you know, where people can buy it and how they can get it, it's, it, it, you lose momentum. And I don't think it's very interesting to other people. And I always say, you know, think about the people you follow online that you really enjoy. You know, if you follow a musician, do you only want to see pictures of their album cover or do you want to see them on tour? Do you want to see their studio? Do you want to like know what, you know, their morning is like? Or if you follow a, um, you know, a chef, for example, like do you only want to see the finished plated meal or do you want to know what markets they're going to and what gadgets they use in the kitchen? Like you want to tell a story. Um, And it's interesting because you you mentioned the magazine. I, um, somebody once told me, I think I was doing like an online training and this person said, you know, Instagram, but I think social media in general 
is like a magazine for your business. And so it should have different features. It should have different things. And so I think part of it is like so many people, I believe, need to think about diversifying what they talk about, but doing it in a way that still feels recognizable and consistent. And you can do that with, you know, very specific branding, whether it's, you know, certainly like, you know, your branded fonts and your branded colors and all of that, but also what are you known for? And so in my online persona, I'm not just known for being an author and an author coach. I'm also known for being a real champion of diverse books and that I promote, you know, um, diverse authors and diverse reading opportunities whenever I can. But I'm also a huge pencil nerd. I love freshly sharpened pencils. I'm totally obsessed with my Carl Angel 5 pencil sharpener. And the reason I say this is that people have begun sending me I like through, you know, direct messages and stuff, they will send me pencil posts and say, I saw this and thought of you. And I'm like, that's amazing. One, it makes me laugh and smile, but also like people get that they see and they recognize that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And, um, I totally agree. Like people want to see the behind the scenes. They want to see what's actually going on, not just being sold to all the time, basically. Yes. And then I think it makes the, the the points in time when you are selling, it makes those more impactful, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's because that isn't what you've been talking about all along, right? Like you're not spending every day saying, here's my book, 20% off. Here's my book. It's at this website. Here's my book, whatever it is. Right. You're talking about so many different other aspects of it, you know, and we were just sharing like the, you know, the stories of why I wrote each of these books, you know, let's meet on the moon. I wrote that story because my niece had her best friend move to Amsterdam and they were so sad and they were trying to think about like how to stay connected. And so that's where that story, you know, really came from. And it just so happened to come out at the start of COVID. And so it took on a new meaning, but it wasn't intentionally written that way. And my second book, um, places we have never been. I honestly wrote that during sort of a heightened time in our country when people were seeing different countries and cultures as other and maybe a little um, scary or nerve wracking or just, you know, not something that people were like really diving into. And I wanted to provide an opportunity for kids and families to create an opportunity to like explore other cultures and places in their mind. And so this is a book that asks a series of questions. It asks you to imagine a place you've never been. And that place could be a few towns away, or it could be across an ocean. And it takes you through these questions of what is it, you know, like when you arrive, what do you see and what do you smell? And how do they say hello? How do they say friend? Um, you know, what culture, or I'm sorry, what holidays do they celebrate there? And the nice thing about it is you can pick a new place every time in your mind. Um, so the book is sort of a new book every time you read it. But that. I'm mentioning this because it's the backstory, right? Like how mm-hmm. many times when you go to a store and you pick up a book or you pick up a hand cream or you pick up a candle or a product, you don't necessarily know the backstory of it. And how much more compelled would you be to buy something if you knew why it was created in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I think that makes so much sense from a marketing standpoint and in sales and just brand building, as you said, like that totally makes sense. And I like, like, and I think also like, as you, as you kind of mentioned too, to not kind of make, not kind of put all your eggs into like the one book basket, because maybe mm-hmm. you'll have another book later, but it also sounds like 
you know, just kind of from who you are as a person, right? Like all of your books kind of have that, they have a certain feel to them, right? They have a certain, like, yeah, it's your personality really, but it's the, you know, that desire to explore different cultures and be, you know, open to different things and learn about the world around you kind of in all, like I, I, that's the kind of the sense I get just from like what you've talked about now. And, and so it makes sense when somebody sees something about you, that those are kind of the things that come out in the things that you're putting out there. And it's going to make sense for probably like your next book now too, because just, again, because of like who you are as a person, like probably like your next book is going to also kind of somehow fit into that same kind of persona. So, so if once you have that, that brand, which again, like, I feel like it's, it's authentic because it really is based on you and and what you find interesting and important to be writing about and sharing about. Right. So even without it being like specifically about the book, it's going to still kind of draw in the same, you know, people who are interested in those things too, people who want those kinds of books for their kids. And then chances are that Mm -hmm. your next book is also going to kind of fit in to that same kind of, um, like just kind of fit in with that branding too. So it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly how I'm thinking of it. And that, you know, you are your brand, the the book or the product isn't the brand. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned, I mean, it sounds like you've talked a lot about social media, like how you can put those kinds of things out there online through social media. And again, at the beginning of the conversation, you shared like some of those, um, you know, book drive things and and kind of alluded to email marketing. Are there Mm -hmm. any other kind of major tips or, or things that you recommend people do in terms of promoting the book once they're done? Is there anything else or do you mostly find the things that we already talked about (laughs) to be the main, the main ways? Yeah. I mean, I think certainly, well, one thing I will say that we haven't talked about is establishing your, your audience early on, because I know I've had a lot of people who come to me and say, um, you know, I I have a book coming out in August, let's say. And I'm like, great. Like, what are you doing right now to promote it? And they're like, oh, I'm getting a plan together to promote it when it comes out. And I'm like, Mm. nope, let's promote it now, you know? And so really getting your, and like we said, talk about the journey, show people like, you know, you at your computer editing a final chapter of your book or getting the first draft of illustrations or asking people, which cover design do you prefer or whatever it is. And so getting people excited in the process to kind of come along that journey with you is so important. I feel like, you know, and I will say to anyone who's listening, if you have a book or even a product out there that you haven't begun marketing yet because it's about to come out, um, you know, I think the best thing you could do is take a step back and start thinking about how can I build that audience now to anticipate this release? Yeah, totally agree. That makes a lot of sense. If you wait until it's already like out there, you're going to be like launching to crickets and be like, why isn't anybody buying this? Why exactly, exactly. Like, well, because you just put it out and you just started telling people they haven't even like yeah. seen, they, they probably haven't even opened the email yet, but like you already have the books available yeah. <laughs> and you're like, why isn't anyone buying yet? So. And we all know, I mean, the mentality, I mean, at least for, I will just, maybe I'll just speak for myself, but I have to see things, to see things of number of times before I actually take that step. And it's oh, not yeah, because no, I didn't, everyone. Yeah, it's not that I didn't want to buy it the first time. It's just that I got busy and I forgot. And so you like the expectation that you're going to, you know, hit that, that one email or that one social media yeah. post and immediately see this influx, um, is really just 
just not the case. You have to communicate over and over again. And I think that's something that people are often hesitant to do. They feel Mm -hmm. like I'm badgering people or this is, you know, whatever it is. But the truth of the matter is, it's like, we all need those, those reminders and just having it front of mind. I totally agree. I think, yeah, there's definitely a fine line. Like we all know those brands that just like email you about a sale, like every day of the week or whatever. And you're like, this is so annoying. But I think when it's like a product that people really like care about and you have, there's a reason they're on your email list and, and things like that. Like I'm totally the same way. I'm I'm always so busy. I'm always doing three things at once. Yes. And sometimes I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I totally do want to buy that. But like, I'm not going to either A, remember when it comes out, like if, if they're saying it's coming out at some point, but not available yet, or B, like I might click on it and literally like, something else comes through on my phone right then. And I click off and I'll right. just totally forget or see, like, I'll click on it. And like, if I need to like get my credit card or something, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'll have to do it later. So I'm always like, I literally think to myself sometimes, like, I really hope they have that like retargeting advertising. Yes. <laughs> I, do too. I really hope I get that automatic email of like, we know you looked at this, you know, or like, I this do the cart. exact same thing where I'm like, please just message me again because I can't yeah. do it right now. Yeah. Um, I wish it's like so a reminder true. you could click and be like, remind me to buy this later when I have a chance right. to <laughs> do it. But some of those reminders can also be just that you're seeing something else from that same person or that same right, company, exactly. right? It doesn't have to be, Hey, we thought this is still in your cart or, Hey, right, right, right. we want you to buy this. It could be, Hey, here's like, for example, like I said, when I email people and say, here's some, you know, coloring pages and mazes and word searches and activities about my book. Um, maybe they were meaning to buy it for a friend's birthday yeah. that was coming up or to be able to say, Hey, I put together a whole list of diverse books on my website. You might be interested in this zero mention of my own books, but it's getting right. people to my site. It's getting them interested. Um, and so I think just being, the consistent and yeah. recognizable and providing things to people other than just the one thing you right. Said. You're giving them more, more valuable information that they're likely to want or, or like actual valuable things like with the coloring page. Yes. And at the same time, it's going to remind them that you're there and remind them that they wanted to buy another copy of your book. So I love that. I think that's such a good, like, marketing tactic, um, because it's basically is putting it in front of them without actually being like, buy my book again. So exactly. I think really smart. Absolutely. So what, um, what's one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first began the business? So specifically for the books, I, you know, I didn't officially work with an editor on my first book and I have with, with all my books moving forward. And I think that is something that people really do need to invest in. A good editor is not just going to proofread for you. They're going to help you with story arc and they're going to help you, you know, with kind of line item edits and just making sure that you're using the right words to say the right things. And I think that's a really important investment. And the same thing I will tell people for anyone who is doing children's books, if you are not an illustrator, do not illustrate your books. You need to sort of do what I call the Barnes and Noble test, which is think of your book sitting next to another book at Barnes and Noble. And does it look comparable, right? Like, does it look like it should be there? And so I think so many people say, well, I'm going to illustrate my book because it's, I like drawing and it will save me money. And, (laughs) and they wonder why it doesn't do very well. And I think as, you know, parents of young kids, we can all go, everyone can tell, you know? And so I think like investing in an editor and an illustrator, I mean, I worked with an illustrator from the beginning, but 
I think that's really important yeah, from a business. So, so important for kids books. I feel like so important. a lot of the kids are going to base it on if they open up a book and like, they're going to either be interested or not interested in the first glance based on the pictures. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I will say, like from a business perspective is I feel like there's so much out there right now about like, you know, you have to niche down and niche down and like be unique and do this thing. And I think there's also this misperception that like, what you offer has to be totally unique and different from what anybody else does. And I don't think that's the case. You know, like Mm -hmm. people will cut, there are a lot of author coaches out there. People are going to come to me because they, they like my style. They like my Mm -hmm. approach. They've, they've seen me, they feel recognized. Same thing with you. Like people are going to listen to your podcast over other business podcasts because they like your, uh, they like your interview style. They like your values. They like what you're doing. And so I think there's this, there's a lot of pressure on business owners right now to like do something that nobody else does. And I think we need to let that go a bit. I totally agree. I talk, I think I have an episode kind of on that too. Like, um, just like I always tell people like, cause, cause also, I mean, I don't know how much you know, but I have a PR agency. That's like kind of what mm-hmm. I mostly do. So I tell people the same thing, like in order to put yourself out there, like you're not going to be the only one doing what you do. You're probably not like there are other people right. that do it, but like nobody does it the way you do. And, and the way that you just, just you being you and like your personality and your basically your personal brand is the, is the thing that's going to resonate with some people. And that's why they're going to want to work with you and they need to know that you exist. So that's what I tell people about. Like, that's why you have to put yourself out there. Even if you feel like, well, so-and-so like, you know, I see somebody else who already is doing the same kind of stuff. Like I'm sure most people would rather talk to her, but that's not the case. People want you because you're you. Exactly. It's so true. So what is, um, as the last thing I always ask people is what is one thing you'd want to share with other, like one piece of advice or something that you'd want to share with other entrepreneurs or business owners as they're starting or, or going along this journey with you? Yeah, I think I would say, you know, there's so many choices and decisions you're going to have to make in your business. And so you have to just really do what works for you. You know, I have people who say to me, do I need to be on every single social media platform? And I'm like, ugh, no, you know, like I'm not. And it just, you have to do the things that like, resonate with you and that are going to feel authentic and that are going to feel, you know, energizing because there's so many different ways that one could get burnt out in this process. And so choose the things that work for you and ignore the things that don't. You do not like successful businesses don't mean you have to be on every single platform or that you have to, you know, post a, a reels every day or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like do what works for you. And that is going to come across as authentic and people will recognize that. I love that. That's so true. And yeah, thank you for that. That's such a good bit of advice. Um, that's such a good place to leave it, I think. Thank you so hey. much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. This was really, really fun and and really informative. Can you well, tell, people so where they can, tell people where they can find more information um, about you and the things that you offer and how to just find you online and all of those things? Absolutely. Well, I'm most active on Instagram as lauren.renally underscore author. Um, but my website, laurenrenally.com has tons of information. It's got my trainings. I do have a free um, social media training for authors right now. So if you go on my website and see the, um, you know, the four author section, you can click on the free social media training. And then for anyone who's interested um, in my children's books, you can use the code thanks15 to get 15% off um, any orders. And like I mentioned, 
I sign each copy and I send little things with them. So, you know, I'd love to send something out to you, your special readers. Oh my God. Thank you so much. That's awesome. I can't wait to go check that out. Thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. It was so nice chatting. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen. So you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes. So other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching female millennial entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.